Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. What a fun time it is to be a tennis fan right now. We've got the Masters 1000 event in Madrid going on, that being both an ATP and WTA event. So fun to get to see all of our favorite players in the world at the same tournament, all competing next to one another. Obviously, there's been a ton of great results, and we've covered all of that in our mini-break podcast, our daily podcast, giving you the latest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Get the plug out of the way early. But we are well aware at Cracked Rackets, it's NCAA tournament time, the brand new single round of 16 is this upcoming weekend. We have been covering that on our website, crackrackets.com, and I believe we will have an article out tomorrow with our panel of writers talking about the things we're looking forward to uh, in this next weekend, what we thought about the first weekend, a couple of other fun things. Joining me today to preview the eight men's round of 16 matches, you know his stuff from College Tennis Ranks. He is, of course, my mother's favorite podcast guest, returning from his glorious trip in Spain, Chris Halioris. Hey, great shot and welcome back. Hey, it's, uh, I guess it's good to be back. I don't know. I kind of liked it in Spain. <laughs> well, let's start there. I mean, did it pain you at all to be out of the country with the NCAA's opening weekend kicking off? Well, you could probably be a good question for my wife as I was planted, <laughs> it, planted it, it, it indoors watching the live stream of, of my Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, well, well, I'm sure some she would have rather been out doing something else. But uh, but yeah, oh, it was very painful. I mean, you know, obviously it, it was a fun, fun trip. But but yeah, I was glued not not only just for that, but uh, uh, you know, I was the live stream for that. But then I was constantly watching scores from everywhere uh <laughs> the whole time so so yeah, so we can was, we can confirm play site works internationally uh it yeah it does uh <laughs> I, the, the play site itself i don't think was was any issue but my issue was was finding a good internet uh, over there <laughs> <laughs> i think i don't know what they have but it's it's definitely not uh not high speed broadband <laughs> <laughs> I can see it every morning. You're like, honey, we need to start stop at Starbucks. She's like, no, like I don't need any coffee today. And you're like, no, 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 we have to stop at the Starbucks. Just please. Yeah, well, yeah. well for I, I'm I'm the non-veteran European traveler here. So for all the listeners that are, they already know this. But but there's no <laughs> such thing as coffee over there, okay? which is the first thing I learned. If you order co- when you order coffee, you get espresso. If you don't want milk, <laughs> it's a tiny little cup. Which my wife and and friends. Had had fun taking pictures of me with this little look like I'm in an eight year old tea party cup, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a great time. Oh, that's the photo we'll have to release with this episode. That does sound like a blast. I should say on a personal level, and of course this is selfish, but yeah, I mean, hey, did you miss me? Um, I, I missed having you. It was weird doing the previews without you. Oh yeah, I was getting your text, and I was like, gosh, I was I, I would gladly do the pod, but I have no phone. And my and, and trying to do the voiceover, I you know do, just doing a Wi-Fi calling or whatever with the internet as it was, never would have worked. And I was I was like, dang it, I can't I can't do any of the pods while I'm over here. This is terrible. <laughs> no, well, I was feeling the same way. It was separation anxiety. It had been yeah. too, you know a full week. I was like, no way, this is unacceptable. Um, 
But as I mentioned, I always appreciate when you come on, and we do have so much tennis to talk about. What we're going to be doing today with the eight round of 16 matches, we're going to be doing a little 8 by 8 action. Uh, We're going to spend eight minutes on each of the eight regions. We won't be previewing each individual match for eight minutes, but we're going to use that time to recap that region's first round action, second round action, where there are things we could take away coming into this round of 16 match. And then, of course, we'll end each segment uh, with our prediction for who's going to move on to the quarterfinals in Orlando. Before we begin our previews, I do want to ask you, Chris, because it's always amazing to me that you're able to get those tweets off, but, you know, ABC always be contenting, so I totally understand what you're doing out there. Um, But you had some interesting tweets over the weekend. Uh, In particular, you had a penchant, I suppose, for highlighting the videos where there were evident hooks, you know, very clear to the viewer watching and, you know, kind of asking, how is this acceptable? I believe you tweeted out an example where someone and their coach were mocking the call right after making it. And I I guess I'm just curious, uh, why is it that that sparked your interest? Because I just feel like we're seeing more and more of these. Yeah, well, you know, that was one of the matches that I was really curious to see because I thought it was going to be a really close match, and it was with with Florida State and UCF uh, down in Gainesville, and uh, and I knew, you know, it had gotten it had gotten really tight. It was three all, and uh, and the, you know, the first one I sent wasn't necessarily a, a hook, right? I put one out there where uh, where it's like it, the 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 match itself is tied three all, and I believe they were like three all deuce in the third. Uh, the overrule, right? Yeah, where, where, uh, and I'm I'm trying to remember for off the top of my head. I can't remember who the Florida State kid. It was Jaleef. Uh, Jaleef double faults. He knows he double faults. He just turns around, walks back to the fence, grabs his towel, and as he's walking back to the fence to grab his grab his towel, Dwayne goes and says something. You know, it's not audible, even though there is audio on the play site feed. You can't hear all the way from there. He says something to the chair, and the next thing you know, the chair umpire is calling the serve good and you know the the coach is not allowed to do that and then the, and the you know from from what i understand from multiple people i talked to after the fact the 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 chair kind of defended it as uh the, the player requested the appeal which clearly didn't happen and he was just backpedaling because he'd made the mistake and you know didn't want to own up to it or couldn't dig his way out i guess but so that was bad enough but then the other the, the second one which was which was the the blatant hook right which to me was far worse than the previous one that got had gotten all the press right which was the mcnally the mcnally deal where mcnally just you know made a bad obviously a bad call but he didn't you know he wasn't gloating over it he wasn't doing this kid you know he hooks him and as the ball is landing he's turning and laughing to his teammates behind the fence uh that you know he had obviously just hooked him and that was just that gotten uh, I think I, I looked at that this morning. It's gotten oh, like close to three thousand views, I think, at this point now, and people are really commenting on it. Uh, and there's been a lot of, you know, it's gotten a lot of good press. But you know, I think more than anything, uh, my my viewpoint. And I know you put this question out there. My viewpoint on the whole thing is, hey, the the hooking you you're not going to be able to stop the players from trying to hook as long as they can, right? So trying to institute even an after the fact hey if we catch you on video that's so hard to so hard to do because you have to draw the line between a blatant bad hook versus you know hey i just i I thought it was i thought close yeah yeah you know i thought even though you're supposed to give the benefit of the doubt you shouldn't be calling anything out that isn't right but we all know that's not going to happen so i 
in my mind, the technology is out there. We just need to get we need to get the funds and 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 a commission to actually do something about put just a simple line monitoring system. And it has to be fast and easy. You know, obviously, it's not going to be the technology that Hawkeye is. But you can get a camera system in there very, very quickly. And the technology is all out there. And, and that's that's where we have to go. I agree. I think even more so. And I know they do this at a lot of matches. But let's just see the other line judges when they're done on their matches on these lines. Particularly when it's three all, you have five other judges just sitting around. Let's cover all of our bases. Let's be as sure as we can because, as you mentioned, all these guys, and you know, even beyond the bad calls, all of these guys are hitting balls so close to the line, so hard, so, you know, right on their spots that the margins are very thin. And so let's try and be as accurate as possible. I always feel bad for these players when they are put on blast because, it, it you know, some of these really do take off. As you mentioned, there seems to be an appeal to want to jump on them and kind of write everyone in college tennis off. And there's this huge flaw in the sport. Um, but the, I mean, these calls do happen a lot. At the same time, it's more, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like the intention of this is, yeah, it's, it's a very fixable problem. Right. No, exactly. I mean, that's, it's, I think the more, yeah, and I felt, I didn't feel too bad about that one just because of, you know, no, how blatant the whole situation, he, of course. He was laughing about it and all that, you know, I thought, well, obviously, you know, that was clearly intentional, but. But but bigger than just that issue to me is hey if the the more press we can get over over things like that and and you know different people put that out there throughout the year from different places it's just going to highlight the fact that we really need a, we need to get especially for important matches or, or important time points we've got to have something better than just what's what we have and it's and it can be done. I completely agree with you. Well, then one more thing I want to talk about before we get into our previews, and it's maybe this is a good transition. We need our game to be as ready as possible for showtime, get all of the uh, naivete, I suppose, out of it, because College Tennis recently announced three-year deal with Tennis Channel. Chris, your thoughts? Oh, that's great. I mean, hey, any time we can get good press for College Tennis, it's good, so you know, I, th- that's outstanding. Uh, I can't wait to see, see how it all plays out. And, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be, it's not just the, not even just the team stuff, right. They're going to be around, I believe for the individual, um, individual championships as well, singles and doubles. So, uh, the more, the more airtime and the more press we can get for college tennis, you know, it's, it'll, it'll just feed itself, right. The, we'll get that press. Maybe even some of that press will lead to, Hey, why why are these kids calling their own lines and you know et cetera et cetera uh but but yeah i think the just the press in general is great and it's going to get more eyes on the game and people get to see what a good how much fun college tennis is and i would never steep so low as to shill for a job on a podcast but you know with more broadcasting opportunities it sounds like you you know tennis channel is going to need people in the booth who know the college game and if they're looking for people who know people who know the game i i have some great recommendations yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm waiting for them to call us, Alex. I, I you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know the, I don't know the people, so you know, I don't, I don't know who we got to go, uh, you know, Jimmy Arias, Leaf Shires, Chris Everett, whoever it is that's doing that, you know, hey, yeah, you guys need a break. Alex and I are there. I think they know. <laughs> They've listened to the podcast and they know right away, right in the middle of a broadcast, be like, oh, that call is f-ing ridiculous, and then they'll be like, oh no, like get them out of here immediately. So, that, but I promise, I will, I will filter myself if we are granted such an opportunity. But yeah, I, just one last time, Westoff, give me an applause, please. Well done, college tennis. 
But all right, Chris, with that, let's talk a little bit of tennis. As I mentioned, eight by eight, eight regions, eight, or I guess 16 regions, eight round of 16 matches, a ton of tennis to talk about. Spend eight minutes on each segment. Uh, Chris, you ready to rock and roll? I'm ready. All right, Westoff, if you could, cue the clock, please. All right, Chris, let's start at the top of the bracket. Number one seed, Ohio State, taking on number 16 seed, Columbia. Uh, you look at their results from last weekend. Ohio State cruises uh, 4-0 in their first match over Cleveland State, 4-0 over Vanderbilt. For Columbia, they win 4-0 in their first match over Bryant, 4-0 over Penn State. You learn anything in those first region matches that you didn't know beforehand? No, I mean, Ohio State, obviously, they they rolled easy. Uh Columbia rolled easy as we expected. I think I would expect Ohio State is is going to do the same this weekend. The one thing that did catch me by and I'm not looking at the scores from those matches, but I feel like uh, from what I recall and what, seeing the matches as they were being played out, that um, I think McNally was have was getting he, he was getting challenged. Rough weekend. At, yeah, he was getting challenged at two for sure. Um, but uh, but I, I don't. I mean, all in all they you know they obviously came out pretty pretty unscathed and and they look they look super strong and i would expect them to to continue that with with columbia this weekend before we go any further huge shout out to our guy bobby knight who did a mega men super regional preview on his website he released today uh, a ton of great stats on there that i'm definitely going to be cherry picking throughout this so right away you look at some of these numbers from ohio state and columbia uh, they have not played yet this year, but you look at their doubles points record. Columbia, a very respectable 16-6, and six, and they're 19-3 and three on the year overall, by the way. Ohio State, 31-2 and two overall, 31-2 and two in terms of the doubles point. Their doubles point losses, I, I believe they lost to Texas, and then they lost the one at Michigan I saw recently. But, I mean, you know what you're getting with a Ty Tucker doubles team. Uh, I mean, yeah, there, there's not much to talk about in the first weekend, I suppose, for that McNally struggle. Yeah, that's one flight. But as you mentioned, I mean, this Ohio State team looks so good. Yeah, I they, I, I think it's going to take, you know, I'm, I'm looking very forward, honestly, to seeing uh, if if it manages to get there, the Ohio State-Wake Forest match, right? I mean, I think <laughs> we're all we're all just looking down ahead going, that's the first test, right? Uh, and in the first outdoor test with JJ Wolf, right? Uh, so let's 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 get there if we can. Yeah, I mean, look, that's fair, and I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time talking about that preview when we do next weekend's because I also imagine Ohio State will advance. Want to throw some of Bobby's stats out there because he did, again did a phenomenal job, and I think this will help give some context. A uh, Columbia player Jackie Tang listed at number three singles in Columbia's lineup. However, he hasn't played since March 3rd. He didn't play last weekend either, but that's something to monitor. The Columbia program, they've never advanced past the round of 16. They lost uh, to USC in 2014, Virginia 2015, Wake Forest 2018. Uh, you look for Ohio State. I mean, they have been so good this year. McNally and Tubert haven't lost 20-0 in dual match doubles play. J.J. Wolf dropped only five sets all season. Uh, Seelig's won his last 12 completed matches, although he almost lost to Minnesota. And there's a fun controversy. Ah, I don't want No, I don't. I like this Ohio State team. I'm not betraying anyone. Um, but it was juicy. It, there is an incident that made college tennis what it is. So for these people, take advantage of these home matches. I suppose we should have said this from the beginning. 
the difference between this year's round of 16 versus every other year. You know, these top eight seeds are hosting matches, and we've talked about that during the year. I don't think it's particularly important for this Ohio State team, but you know, they're going to have an opportunity. I mean, playing at home, even I, I believe Bobby's projecting the weather, and he says it might be in the 50s, but indoors, outdoors, it shouldn't matter for the Buckeyes. No, I don't. I don't think so. But uh, and Columbia obviously plays a lot indoors. But I, I seriously doubt they really want any piece of Ohio State indoors if they can help it. Uh, <laughs> you want to play them outdoors, but but I don't think it's. I you know I don't think it's going to matter. Ohio State's just they're they're too strong up and down uh, for Columbia, especially without Jackie Tang. I should take advantage of this to move on early and save our minutes, but let's give a little bit of credit to this Columbia team. You know my affinity for them. Uh, you look up up and down their line. First of all, in terms of their UTR power six, uh, they are only about a 1.3 points below Ohio State. Not a bad gap for them. Pretty respectable. You know Their team, in terms of the dual match record, Victor Pham, I believe he made a finals of the Oracle Masters event. Maybe he won that a couple years ago as number 37 in the ITA rankings. He's 16 and three on the year jack lynn who i believe played in the new york open earlier this year 11 and six uh they're seven and one at four singles tim wang 15 and four austin huang uh 15 and two i mean they've got battlers up and down the lineups and i actually think for columbia they may prefer to play indoors like is that a crazy thought this is an indoor team you know that's that's their bread and butter nowadays yeah well they are an indoor team i just uh, i don't i think but I still look at it and go, yeah. But do you really want to play Ohio State indoors? No matter, regardless of whether you're an indoor team, I think you, at at that point you gotta you don't want to take the best indoor team that there is and play them indoors, even though it's your strong suit. You got you gotta want to play outdoors. Fair. Well, then let's do a little bit of match calculus, and I'll probably ask you during to do this during each of these segments. So, Westoff, give me a little match calculus uh, sound effect, please. What does it look like? You know, we'll do the Ohio State thing in a second. But for Columbia, if they win, what could that possibly look like? Just play for a little them, devil's advocate with me. For them to win, well, okay, they're they're not going to win four singles matches, so somehow they have to win the doubles point. So if they get the doubles point, they they saw a little uh, maybe some vulnerability in McNally last last weekend. So you got to go after McNally at two. You're not beating JJ Wolf at one. Uh, or at least, you know, odds would say you're not. So, so you get McNally, and now you got to find two more. I still think that those that those two probably. I mean, five and six, maybe. I mean, Cobalt Outdoors, maybe, and and then Tubert, Siebert, Trotter, whoever they play. Um, I actually think that you know. I'm surprised we haven't seen Trotter outdoors, uh, but it looks like it's looks like it may maybe Tubert and you know, I, it's it, I think that's probably where where they get it. But uh, Ambrosi's not. I don't see him. I don't see him beating Kyle C. League. I don't see Pando taking out Martin Joyce. So I guess it'll it'll be you know it'd have to be like two five and six. I don't I don't see how it happens, but but if it's going to, that's probably where they got to get it. I think they'd have to win two doubles. They would need to serve really well at one. I don't know how they'd get three. It's kind of a new team, and McNally and Tubert have been so good. I mean, Vic Pham is really good. We have seen a high level of tennis from him. He was a highly touted recruit, um, has the pedigree. 
yeah, McNally struggled, so maybe... For me, it would have to be Wolf would have another bad... Have to have another bad day, which he's had one all year. But it'd have to be Fam, probably Lynn. Oh, Ambrosi hits a big ball, but Selig... Oh, I don't think they win four. I don't think they win six. I think it'd have to be doubles point one, two, and five. And yeah, this is devil's advocate. I don't think it's going to happen. So final prediction... What do you say? Ohio State 4-0? Um, yeah, I think they'll get them 4-0. I mean, the, Columbia may look good in a match or two, but it'll probably finish before they get to close any of them out. All right. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be a good match. Definitely tune in. Oh, perfect timing. Um, but I would say that, yeah, uh, it's tough for Columbia. Tough seed. At least they got to host the two matches. You, you got to take Sweet 16 is a great result for an Ivy League school. But... Let's move on to our next region. Westoff, if you could, cue the clock. So this is one of the most, if not the most, fascinating matches of this round of 16 weekend on the men's side. We have number 8 seed USC, winners over NAU 4-0, winners over USD 4-0, matching up with number 9 seed UNC, who knocked out Navy 4-0, then really kind of comfortably, despite, you know, they lost at six singles, but kind of cruised over Georgia 4-1. I mean, Chris, what are your opening thoughts going into this? Was there anything you took away from the first weekend that helped you make a, get some thoughts for this matchup? Yeah, un- unfortunately not. And this is one of the, this is the <laughs> matchup I was looking forward to most, but uh, I wanted to see Carolina at least get pushed and Georgia for what, and I don't I never did. I didn't follow up and find out why, but Jan, Jan Zielinski didn't play. So, um, you know, and Georgia's, they're basically six deep. So with Zelensky out, A, it killed all their doubles pairings. Uh, they had to they had to move things around for doubles and then and then B, obviously they had to you know, he with him at the top of the in at number two, uh, they have to slide everybody up a spot. So you didn't get any of the matchups uh, that you would have liked to see. So I, I, I won't read a whole lot into that. Obviously you, you still gotta beat them and, and, and Carolina did four one, but I would have liked to see him at it with a full Georgia lineup, but it's still this is this is the matchup I've been looking forward to seeing. Uh, both of these teams, I think, you know, I certainly thought coming into the year these are both top five teams, and here we are in an eight nine matchup. <clears throat> so one of them's going home, uh, and and one of them gets to play in all likelihood Ohio State uh, in the Elite Eight. Uh, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I I'm, I'm torn. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You look at the lineup decisions these coaches made last weekend to try and get some insight into what we're going to see now. Uh, you know, it, for USC, another match, another no Logan Smith. They did not play him last weekend. They went with Jake Sands at five, more Bullis at six. You know, and they, they had a successful weekend, obviously, but, the, you know, this is a rematch of last year's round of 16, UNC, uh, despite being the higher seed. I remember we went indoors, and they couldn't go play in Chapel Hill. They had to play at Wake Forest. We shipped off to Chapel Hill, and USC ended up beating them 4-2. I mean, ugh. the depth, the doubles point, neither team is particularly excellent at doubles. USC goes a respectable 21-8 and on the year. North Carolina twenty and five. You look at their uh, win losses. USC twenty two and seven overall. North Carolina twenty and six. UTR power sixes. USC eighty two point one six. North Carolina eighty two point four eight. I mean, the margins are going to be thin. Oh, the, I mean, the, these are basically. When you look 
up and down the lineup here, and they're it's basically a toss up at every single position in in here. So that that's what makes this one so tough to call. I mean, it does, you can you can look at it yourself on paper. You can look at UTRs, whatever. Both these two teams are just so so evenly matched. Uh, I mean, I think maybe maybe you want to give a slight edge uh, on paper to North Carolina, but they, you know, I think it's probably the same for both schools, but much more so in my mind, North Carolina, especially with the Georgia tech loss is they just haven't, they haven't put it together yet. And kind of like, you know, obviously better than what Georgia did, but in kind of the same vein of a team with a lot of talent that just hasn't seemed to find a way to put it together and, and get the wins that they, you expect them to get. Uh, it, it makes me it makes me lean that and the fact that you know I of course picked USC before the year ever started so <laughs> I, I have to uh, I have to just you know lean that way just to maybe validate that initial selection <laughs> but the, <laughs> but yeah I'm I'm kind of leaning USC but I you know it's it, it's tough I I think their USC is gonna I think they 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 struggle with down they're struggling to with just to see who to play and to get the the results at five and six. But gosh, the one thing that struck me was and I don't remember which match it was. Sandra Guard got the snot beat out of him in one of those matches this past was, weekend. It, I believe it was the second match against Georgia. I think he and that he was lost. against that was, oh that was against Croyder even. Right? Yeah, and he, I, I'm pretty sure it was like one and one, one and two. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, so it, I I don't know what that was all about. Uh, so. So even even for a weak spot for USC, that's it's still going to be that's going to be a, a dead dead up match. So yeah, it, this is a I mean this is a true pick'em. Well, again, shout out to Bobby because he's got a lot of great stats for us that we can list through. Let's start with the doubles point. I think this is one of those instances where being at home will be so critical for USC because it really is a toss up. You know, Blumberg and Boyden, seventeen and three, two guys who have played in a national championship. They have that pedigree. But they go up against Holt and Riley Smith. They had, they've won futures. You know this team by now. They're a top ten team. I believe they're ranked number ten in the ITA actually. Uh, so they they've got the pedigree at home. You know that's probably going to go seven six one way or the other at home. You like that for Holt and Smith. I think uh, three doubles. Kiger and Sodegard seventeen and two on the year. Edge over Corkerman and Smith uh, Tanner Smith who are eleven and four. You know, Tanner Smith uh, just not this. I I, I don't know. I'm a, again. That's purely by record, but then you know it's really a toss up at two because you never know what you're going to get from Jade and Verboven, uh, Cernok and Seguin, eight and six on the year. Uh, obviously, a lot of that factors into they don't finish because the other two finish before them. But I just feel like, given the round of sixteen match, given that it's at home, there's no definitive favorites in any matchup except for maybe that three doubles for UNC. So you probably lean USC there. And yeah, if you look at the singles lineup, so many toss-ups. And so that, that to me could be the difference. Oh, it absolutely could be the difference. And I think, and I think as much as, as much as it, as it is home court advantage, I'll say, you know, what you hear a lot in, you know, you hear it more so in the NFL than you do anywhere else, but North Carolina is flying 3,000 miles to play this match, right? Yeah. So, it you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily discount that. I don't know when they're going out. I assume they're going out very early to try to get all of that behind them. But, uh, you know, the team that's got to travel from one coast all the way to the other is, is usually pays some sort of penalty there. So, 
yeah, there's definitely going to be a little bit of an edge to the guys that are already at home. They've got their home court. They didn't have to travel. They're on the same on the t- same time zone they've been on. Maybe that's the edge that that they need. But but yeah, it's you know I, I'm with you. I kind of lean. I think I think with the home court they get it. But it is it's a critical doubles point. I actually like Carolina uh, so in do double in doubles. And if they if Carolina does manage to take the doubles point. Oh, then they're then USC's really gonna have that. Then to me, the swing match becomes Holt and Blumberg. I think, yeah. you know, I it, to me that's still a toss-up match, and I think I think Brandon's gonna have to win that match if they drop the doubles point uh, for USC to come out on top. Which is very, you know, he's very capable, but I think that'll be a that'll be a swing match for him if they don't if if they don't get dubs. So I have 10 seconds left, so I'm going to go through this really quick. Brandon Holt, 10 straight match wins. Verboven, 7-1 and one in his last eight. Kuckerman, 5 straight. Riley Smith only finished two of his last eight. Uh, Jake Sands, 6 straight wins. Ben Seguin has won five of his last six completed. Peck, last seven of nine completed. Cernok, 6 of seven. Boyden has won eight straight matches. A lot of these guys come into this match in very good form. That's why these teams are seated so high. Yeah, real quick, match calculus, no sound effect, Westoff, but uh, Holt-Blumberg, given the, their forms, probably leaning Holt because he's at home, and that could be the decider. I guess, one last time, give me your predictions, tell me who you see winning where. So, I'll, I'll take USC overall, 4-3, and, and I think... Uh, I, I think Carolina may sneak the doubles point out, but then I'll take uh, I'll take USC to to get uh, like one two three and six. <laughs> I like it. All right, I will go the other way here. Give me the Tar Heels, and I will take. Oh, actually, uh, I think we're inter- I mean, we're interviewing both Blumberg and Holt, so I can pick either way. Whatever they both committed. <laughs> um, oh, I love Blumberg and Boyden, but I really like Holt. I'll say UNC takes the doubles point. USC gets Holt. They get ver- they get ver- they get six. But I think UNC wins it. I'll take they get the doubles point. They get two. They get three. They get four. They get five. Boyden clinches. All right. Yeah, keep it. So I had UNC four two for those keeping track at home. But all right. With that said, two down, six more to go. West up if you could give me another clock, please. But let's move on to our next region. Uh, now we've got a, a fun rematch from earlier in the year. Number five, UVA, wins their first match over St. John's 4-0, then knocks off a pesky South Carolina team 4-1 in a match that was far closer than that 4-1 story, uh, scoreline reveals. They face number 12 seed Stanford, who's probably kicking themselves after getting through their region this year when you could argue last year they were national title contenders heading into the tournament. Uh, they knock off Fresno 4-0, then they beat UCSB. 4-0. Chris, is there anything you learned from, again, the opening weekend that has you leaning one way or another? No, I think uh, nothing that I learned from the weekend. I think both teams, you know, I was interested to see. Stanford, I expected to kind of make it through fairly easily. UVA, you know, I figured would come through, and I really wanted to see how much South Carolina could push them, and that was a a good match. But, But this is, to me, this is one of these matches. Stanford's got the talent to do it, but these two teams are, 
to me, they've got the same strengths and weaknesses, right? They're both, mm-hmm. they're both good up top. And if you, and if you want to beat them, you're looking at the, you're looking at like, you know, four, five, six, or certainly five, six going, that's, we got to take advantage of them there. And they're both looking at each other going, that's what we got to take advantage. So which team's going to take advantage of the other one, uh, down at the bottom of the lineup. And I just think that, uh, at least from what they've shown this year, Virginia's proven that they can win there and Stanford hasn't, uh, they haven't been consistent enough. And even at the top Geller and Geller and Rotzer haven't been, you know, as winning as much as you would, as you would hope from those two where Soderlin and Nakashima have been, you know, have been coming through down the stretch. So, uh, you know, I, I think you gotta like, you gotta like Virginia's chances there. Um, but you know, when you, anytime you've got Samir Kamar playing down in the lineup, you don't, you know, he had, hasn't been outstanding all year, but you know, a lot, ton of talent there. Uh, you, you, it's going to be, I'm sure it'll be a very competitive match, but, but I, I think Virginia, you know, they, they just scrap and find a way every single week. They're, they manage to get in these really close matches, but they always manage to pull it out. Uh, and I think this is an, this is another one where when it's with a team that you expect, I won't say they always do because they don't against weight, but when they're playing a team that you expect that they probably will, they do. And I think that this just falls in line as another one of those where they, they find a way. They scrap and find a way. The fun part about this match is we saw it earlier this year in Chicago, and when we say we saw it, I was, and I believe you were also literally there in person. Uh, obviously, to get to see Virginia in person is always fun for me, and so I was glued in on this. Uh, that was a match Virginia won 4-2. In that instance, Stanford took the doubles point. Now, there's been a lot of shuffling of the doubles lineup uh, for both teams, really, since that, or not as much, I suppose, for Stanford, but really for Virginia since that time. Uh, you look at it now, we'll, we'll have Wiersholm and Nakashima versus Geller and Rothsart, Soderlin and Lizon versus Kumar and Timothy Saw, who did not play or did not play singles in the first match that, between these two teams, and then Ross and Woodall versus Barber and Sridhar. I mean, neither of these teams has been particularly good at doubles. Virginia 17 and 10 on the year, Stanford 16 and 9. Uh, but yeah, when you look through the lineup, look at the things that happened the first time versus this next one. Soderlund beat Geller the first time they played four and five. That'll be a rematch. Rotsart was in the third versus Wearsholm. He'll now play Nakashima. Uh, Will Jensen has now, or pl- lost his match to Nakashima one and two. And I remember watching that match and thinking, God damn, is Brandon Nakashima good? Uh, Samir Kumar and Gianni Ross, that'll be a rematch at four. Kumar won the first affair two and four. Uh, Goetz played Janender the first time at five. He'll now match up with Tim Sa, who's gone 13 and seven on the year. Uh, Lizon in a rematch with Sridhar. Lizon beat him one and four. I mean, you look at the match calculus for this one, and yeah, as always, Virginia could lose the doubles point, and you could still see them uh, finding a path to victory. I would say Weirsholm is probably, you know, Will Jensen eleven and three on the year, but Henrik Weirsholm is, is is there's a reason, you know, there's he's won a futures before. This guy's played three on three national title winning teams. He knows what it takes to get it done. He'd probably be the favorite there. I mean, I'm never guessing against Brandon Nakashima, although I'm playing a fellow freshman in Rotsart. I'm sure there's a little history there. Yeah, I just... Even if Goats is a loss, Lee's on at six. You, you see Virginia's path to four points. Now, if Stanford loses doubles, things would get really tricky for them. Oh, yeah. If Stanford loses the doubles point, I think they're they're definitely in trouble. They they've, they need to pull that doubles point out because it's that singles match... 
I, I just, man, they just, they haven't been able to win those points. And I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Stanford is, they've got to be going, Hey, we've, we've got to get a win from, from Kumar, uh, against, against Gianni. He did it once already. We, we've got to get that. They've, you know, they've probably got to, got to get Tim saw to win. I think, um, and I, I think gets lost what his, his one of at least the the match in the in the the South Carolina match I think that was the one point they lost um, yeah he lost three and three at five yeah um so I think that's that's probably another one that they're looking at going okay so we, we've got to get four and five now where obviously Geller and Rotzer can can win but my gosh trying to beat Soderlin and Nakashima are you know well, that's, that's a, the thing. If you go one and one against those two, and sorry for cutting you off, but that's a win. And it's just if they lose the doubles point, that would not be good enough. And to me, or uh, at least in my opinion, now, yeah, you mentioned that South Carolina match for Virginia. They got uh, they won the doubles point. They got wins at one in th- uh, one in three. It was five four South Carolina at two when that match finished. But you know, Soderlin oftentimes will be the best player when he steps on a two doubles court. Uh, it's. I mean, I feel like I can't even talk about Virginia because I'll be accused of bias, but I I like this Cavalier team in this matchup. There's just more ways for them to win. As I mentioned, they got Oshwin Leeson coming into this NCAA tournament in great form. He's rock solid. It's a cliche, but such a tough out. Having that win over Sridhar earlier in the season probably gives him an edge in that matchup. I mean, yeah, I would say, I mean, we can get into this. We can call this early because we're there now. I would say Virginia wins this match 4-2. They're going to take the doubles point, get a win from Nakashima, Weirsholm, and Leeson. And, and then probably lose at 4-5. and five. Yeah, well, and I, I think 4-5 and five are the two spots that, that Stanford's got to win. Uh, I'll, kind of, I'll actually, I think, I think Virginia probably goes... I'll say four one. Uh, Ooh, I, I think that I think they will get the doubles point, uh, and then after they get the doubles point, I think uh, I I think they'll get of the of the top four. I think three of them, uh, and probably one, two, and three will will come through, and uh, and they'll and they'll drop one of the matches at you know maybe it's five, maybe it's four. But they'll drop one of those matches. Uh, but I think I think four one. And I'll continue to stress this point. This match being in Virginia, Virginia takes that doubles point. It's going to be so tough for Stanford to come back against that crowd. It's so hard to beat Virginia at home. That's why very few teams do it. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts on that? Are you ready to move on? I'm ready to move on. All right. Well, then let's get to our next region, the number four seed versus number thirteen seed. Before we do that, Westoff, if you could cue the clock, please. So yeah, you're looking at a Wake Forest team. They drop a doubles point at Kentucky last weekend in their not dramatic fashion, but just typical Wake Forest fashion, I suppose. But they beat them 4-1. They beat Morgan State 5-0 in their first match. But now we have our first upset of the round of, uh, of the first two rounds. Oklahoma, well, I guess our second upset technically chronologically, but well, we can leave that aside. That's just me being OCD. Number 21, Oklahoma knocks off Arizona 4-1. They then 
at, in College Station beat a young Texas A&M team 4-3 in a dramatic third-set breaker finish. I mean, even before we get into the preview, Chris, what did you think of that Oklahoma A&M match? Oh, I mean, what a match. That I that that's that's one that I was I was glued into and I mean, uh, I couldn't get the I I will say play site seemed to work for me. I don't know that it was the fact that I was out of the country, but I could not get that. I saw some other people say, I think Colette Lewis maybe said the same thing, but, but somebody had also commented they couldn't get the stream up. So maybe it was just the stream and it wasn't the fact that I wasn't in the country, but I was living on the Bobby Knight tweets <laughs> of, of the point by point uh, in the breaker. Right, I'm watching the live scoring, but, but I mean, Mason Byler fighting off seven match points uh, in that match was just just incredible, and I mean, I, I felt so bad for for Noah Schachter. Uh, it, it, I mean, I just ha- having all of those match points, and uh, and I, he's I think he's he's a, he's a good kid, and uh, oh, what I mean, just a just a brutal match, and and those two had played earlier in the year, right? And it was another four three match, uh, and in both cases they split the singles three apiece and it was the team that got the doubles point that won the match. Uh, and in this case, in this time, Oklahoma got the doubles point and that ended up, you know, proving it to be enough to, to, to be the difference. But just the finish there where, uh, where A&M looked like they, they looked like they had come from behind to do it because Aguilar broke pop. They were down three, two Aguilar breaks Papa to win that match and tie it at three and Schachter at five all breaks Byler to go up six five and serve for the match, and can't close it out. Uh, I think he went love forty and then maybe got to thirty forty and got broke to send it to the breaker and then had three match points in the breaker at six three and then I think another one at like seven six and loses it and, and ends up losing the breaker. Here's the thing you have to love if you're Coach Crowell in Oklahoma. The way you beat Texas A&M, win the doubles point, win at four, win at five, win at six. If you are going to have any chance of going into Winston-Salem and upsetting this Wake Forest team, that's your exact recipe, right? Oh, for yeah, I, I, we've been saying that all year, right? If you want, <laughs> if you think you're going to beat Wake, your you know your first thought is, well, I need to win dubs four, five, and six, right? Now maybe you take, maybe you got a shot at three too, but I mean you're never you're never thinking you're a favorite at one or two. So, uh, so I'm yeah, gonna that's... go ahead and say no. You don't have a shot at three. Don't disrespect my guy Barbotzer like that. Twenty three and two on the year, he clinches everything. I mean, I would say if you have a really good one singles player, and no, I'll do respect because Borna twenty or eleven and three on the year, he's playing challengers week in week out. You know he's he's a beast. But if anything, that's your shot is maybe four, five, six, and one if you don't win the doubles point because you're not beating Petros, you're just not. And I would say you're not beating Barr. Yeah. Sorry, I, this is a, a, a yeah. I don't know yeah, why I'm just, I'll getting just so angry. I'll just call that the, one of my typical Gruskin takes and say <laughs> you're, you're, you're just crazy, and I'll stick I'll stick with Borna. Oh, and, now who's anti one handed backhand? Yeah, and say that I'm going after Botzer, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean it's you know I mean no, no matter what, obviously you're you're regardless of that your your first thought is four yeah four five six and doubles and so yeah he's got to he's got to look at that and go hey i i like i like my guys i like my chances uh and you know the one of the differences for for oklahoma is they weren't and i don't know i don't know why they weren't playing byler a lot earlier in the year 
Uh, they gave a lot of guys different chances. They tried it. They'd been playing his Kierdo. They played the, the Greek kid they've got. They, they, they had, they've given everybody chances in there, but they've really, they've settled in on Byler and he's actually worked his way up into the five spot. So, and he looked, I mean, he give that kid credit and he was ripping forehands down match point, uh, and, and never stopped firing. So, uh, yet they, I mean, that's that's the recipe for them if they're if they're going to do it is is they've got to find a way to win doubles and get four five and six and you look at again some of the big stats for these teams wake forest 31 and three on the year that's crazy yeah they're 24 and 10 in doubles points but guess what they've only lost three of those matches when they lose the doubles point they know how to claw their way back sid banthi at six is really uh been getting comfortable there it seems like he's the most reliable point for them in the bottom of their lineup although f stafalu at five also a beast I mean, for this Oklahoma team, 16-10 and 10 on the year, 14-12, and 12, but don't let the record fool you. If we've learned anything, it's that the Big 12, really f***ing good this year. I mean, what is it? They have three, four teams in the last six teams, I believe four with Oklahoma, them, TCU, Baylor, Texas. I mean, yep. th- this is in... This is a battle-tested Oklahoma team. Spencer Papa has played in a couple of national title matches. He's as experienced as any one singles in the country. I mean, Gojo obviously enters as a heavy favorite, but I I don't know. Neutral site may be a shot for an upset, but at Wake Forest, I I, I just don't know if I can see it. Yeah, I think think the upset's going to be tough. Um, And I think, uh, like we said, I think four five and six and i just don't know we'll see if birch on the road can manage to to do something with 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 sid at six i don't i don't know i think they do have they stand very good chances i think at, at four and five Byler's playing great calvo i mean i i that's the kid that i i since i first saw him two years ago you know or the the very beginning in the in a fall tournament last year um we one of our kids played him at Alabama and the kid I mean he's fast as all get out he gets to everything he's super solid off the ground uh and as long as he keeps his head on straight and he's in mentally he's going to be tough to beat I think they I think I'll say that they get four and five but I think that's all they get Okay, we haven't done one of these yet, so I'm pausing the clock on this match to go on a tangent. I feel like you and I did not get to talk about the Fenty-JJ Wolf match as much as I would have liked, and you talk about, oh, love at first sight. And again, complete tangent, sorry, but I I haven't talked to you in a while, Chris, so I'm getting it all off my chest. Um, (laughs) I did not feel that way about Andrew Fenty. To be honest, I see the physical traits. The guy can move as as well as any college player. The guy gets so many balls back. It's it's not that his ground strokes are unorthodox, but he's just a fighter. He scraps his way out of interesting situations, will go big down the line at times, will work fancy angles, likes the backhand slice. I mean, huge serve. And just... The guy was just so confident down the stretch. I mean, again, I, I could have saved this for my Michigan thought, I suppose. But when he beat Wolf, I, I, I again, I, I was with uh, Scott Colson of the Payers and Players podcast, and I told him before, and I was like, man, the confidence Fenty's playing with, I, he's going to go out there and be like, yeah, why can't I beat J.J. Wolf? And just to see the way, it wasn't junk balling, but the way, and I mentioned this on the Luke at Corn Telepod, by the way, so shout out to you. It was that Carl Soderlin-esque, I mean, the guy was just a cockroach. You, you can't. I was you just going to say, him. if you're going to call junk ball, you 
have to say Soderlund, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that same sort of thing where just they're both so physically imposing. They both can rip winners. They're both going to get that extra ball back. They both have serves as weapons. It was an incredible moment, and I'm not trying to, you know, dump on Ohio State in my one moment of joy, so any Ohio State fans on there don't think that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just simply saying, I didn't, shout out to Coach Steinberg, because Fenty is a gem. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a tremendous win. Now, if he could only have backed it up and run through after that, right? <laughs> that, that's what, that's the difference between being, you know, a J.J. Wolf or, and, and not, right, is, is, is you got to bring it pretty much every day and so jj gets and i didn't get to see the match so i don't know if it was you know was it an off day for jj or was fenty just was just two that things good? can be true two things can be true fenty yeah. was fenty baited i baited is the wrong word fenty goaded into jj to some unforced errors at the same time jj did not bring his a game on that or he just did not that he didn't bring it, he didn't have it on that day and so yeah. It was a good result. But okay, getting back to this match, and I will say real quick, since we're pirating so much of his work, Bobby's predictions thus far, Ohio State 4-1 over Columbia, USC 4-3 over uh, UNC, so I'm different than both of you, ha-ha. He has uh, Virginia over Stanford 4-1. So getting back to this match, Wake Forest, Oklahoma, 55 seconds on the clock. Uh, Chris, give me your pick. So I'm going to say Wake Four. Oh, I thought there was about to be an upset there. Sorry, no, like, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Wake four two, but I'm going to preface that with those those two are four and five, and you know it, as you know I, Bobby's prediction is four zero. It could be four zero if those matches don't finish in time. Wake's <laughs> going to win this. I think is going to win the match, and it's a matter of whether if the two guys I think I think if they were to play them out, that Calvo and Byler will will win those matches, but. Whether they finish or not, you know, you don't know. But I think, uh, I, I think that's. I'll, but I'll go. I'll say they get him in, and it's four two. Spencer Pop has got the type of game to where he can hit bombs, you know, hold serve with Gojo for a long time. So if that's the fourth point Wake Forest is waving on, I think this match could be a bit prolonged. I also just think Spencer Pop, a senior, going to go out fighting. But with the clock coming to an end, I would have to say Wake Forest. 4-1. They'll take the doubles point. Botzer, Frisokos, Banthia. Botzer, as always, will be the one to clinch just to shove it in your face, Chris. But all right, <laughs> <laughs> with that, we can move on to our next match. Westoff, you know what I'm going to ask you. Cue the clock, please. So this, I would argue, for you SEC nuts. And by the way, when I was saying that the Big 12 uh, making its claim for the best conference, that was a subtle shot at you, Chris. But this is the rematch, uh, I feel like, on the tennis recruiting piece. Everyone was highlighting number 14 seed Tennessee going back to Gainesville to take on the number three seeded Florida Gators. These two teams have met twice this year. Florida went down to Tennessee, beat them 5-2 during the regular season. Tennessee returns the favor in the SEC semifinals, stealing a 4-3 win from the Gators. You look at their region play. uh, Tennessee coming off of a good battle in their opening weekend. Obviously, they had the momentum from the SEC tournament, but then they get tested uh, in their opening weekend. Four over Radford, but then 4-2 over a very good NC State team for Florida. They advance 4-0 over Florida Gulf Coast, 4-0 over Florida State. One of the things you did take the time to do in Spain, send me a message saying, oh, Alex, did you see Andrade 
Friday officially listed at five. It's because I kept pestering you. I was like, did the lineups come out? Did the lineups come out? You usually tell me these things. It's like a kid asking, like, Dad, did you give me lunch for school? Like, where's my PB&J? It's me. You know, the lineup's out. Uh, but so uh, they make the switch. Andrade down to five singles. Perez up to four. Humble brag for you, but you obviously called that before it happened. Uh, for Tennessee, it's the same lineup we saw before. Is there anything in particular other than recency bias that would have you leaning towards Tennessee in this one? No, I don't see any way Tennessee <laughs> does that does it again. Uh, I mean, it's I think bulletin that, board material for Parson Damati's volunteers. Yeah, I I think the the lineup change for for Florida is is going to help. Um, and, First and of I, all, and I don't mean to cut you off, but not i don't actually care uh <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh but you what have uh, respect get, your elders uh, <laughs> <laughs> i can already hear it. alex why'd you cut him off um, <laughs> uh but you called the perez switch uh, you said you think florida would benefit from having him go there ultimately uh, do you still think that was the correct choice Oh, absolutely. I mean, once I got to see Alfredo in person, uh, you know, I'd seen some of the results earlier in the year weren't that great. And obviously he was coming off an injury from from the fall of last year. And maybe it's just taken, you know, taken him some time to get back in form. And he had he hadn't hadn't had great results. But when I saw him in person, he looked tremendous and absolutely. You know, this is obviously we know what he can do if he's healthy. The kid played one for them forever. So uh, moving him up to four you know, the difference in a four or five is not going to, you know, is no problem for him and getting dropping Andrade down to down to five is just that that one extra spot for him is going to make them rock solid. And especially in this matchup with Tennessee, for, he never should have a he never should have lost the match that he did lose uh, the first time around. But dropping down from playing from playing Luca Wiedemann down to down to Preston Tuliados is going to be it's a totally totally different match for them. Uh, I like Florida. I like Florida in in both of those now, and I don't. It's going to be tough. I mean, the the recipe for Tennessee is probably uh, still the same if if they want to win. Uh, although I wouldn't say that Stoddard. They so in their last matchup, they took the doubles point. They lost. Uh, Stoddard lost at one, uh, and they got uh, what they got. They got Walton at two. They got Jones at three, and they got Wiedemann at four. Um, they're probably they probably are still looking at they need doubles they still need they need jones to repeat the same thing over Ingleton again but now you know can walton do it over riffus again sure maybe but i don't think that they're not going to get the they're not going to get that win at four again i don't think with with alfredo and Wiedemann. i just don't see it and i don't even think they'll make it four three uh but you know it's it and and florida obviously is going to come in with the hot yeah hot and and for, and for those that watch the uh the after video of the win with the team manager for tennessee oh, immediately hit the court doing the chomp uh you know i've told a couple people i said you know croft crawford is his own personality right i'm I mean, i'm not a huge crawford fan but he's the kind of guy that i could you know that gets very very animated and emotional after he wins matches or even during matches right and uh, and and I told I told a couple people I said hey the, all I want to see is if Florida wins I want to see Crawford lead the crowd in singing Rocky Top. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I have just. 
I have a lot of uh, a lot of responses to what you just said. Number one, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I called Texas A&M coach uh, Steve Dunn a walrus on the last podcast, and I apologize for that. It was meant to completely out of love. I'm saying this as well, completely out of love. Oliver Crawford is like Tommy Paul point eight five, but with emotions, and it's amazing <laughs> to me. Like it's so fun to see. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's uh, he just. It, he gets really, really animated, uh, you know, especially after after he after he wins. He even did it in that uh, in that Tennessee match uh, yeah. in the SEC uh, semifinals. It's incredible. But so to get back to the larger points, Andy Andrade just rough matchup with Tennessee. He lost to them at Tennessee at two singles. He loses to them in at home um, at four singles. I mean, maybe Coach Shelton goes all the way and is just like, you know what, I'm going to play Greif today because why not? I can. Or I'm going to play Kessler today because why not? I can. Uh, But the other big lineup change for Florida, and I'm not serious there. I don't think he's actually going to do that, especially with Andy Andrade, number 59 in the country, 16-7 and on the year. We saw how good he was early in the season. But the biggest thing to me, you mentioned it, Tennessee took the doubles point in the SEC semifinal. They also took it in the dual match. And yet, for the third time, Florida will have different doubles teams when they're facing uh, Tennessee. Oliver Crawford pulled from the official doubles lineups for Florida. Given the emotional boost he gives the team, that's kind of surprising to me. Maybe Coach Sheldon says, save it for singles. You know, we want these guys out there in doubles. I'm curious, what do you think behind that uh, process? You know, I think we all expected to see, and certainly I expected to see some more changes uh, in the doubles lineup just because of the struggles they've had to, to win doubles points, right? But, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that the, the coaches probably have to they, – hopefully they've got a good feel for what works. Uh, it's either that or they're just grasping at straws <laughs> trying to find a winning combination <laughs> at this point, right? But, um, I mean, I think, you know, what that – what they and and I didn't honestly look at what they uh, what they played against Florida State for double. So what did who who did they play at Florida State? Because I know what they submitted, uh, but they so, but you can do inline substitutions. So so for the Florida State match, Florida ended up going with and I'm sorry, I'm looking this up as I go. I don't want to get it wrong. There's a lot of Florida teams. Florida went with Englandson and Kessler at one. Uh, Riffis and Perez at two. They won seven six. And Valle and Andrade at three. Now that's the same lineups they have in lined up in the NCA. So it looks like it'll be. Um, I mean, it, it looks like that's what they're sticking with. Well, so what they submitted. So what they did was they subbed Riffis in for Crawford. Because yeah, they sub- and it, they submitted Perez and Crawford at two. So did they? Yeah, I, I guess on, on Bobby's sheet it has the updated one, so maybe maybe there's an injury concern. There's a lot of potential factors, but okay, the clock is out. We didn't get to do this yet. Real quick, give me your prediction and your match calculus. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go four two Florida. Mm. I, I'll say Tennessee again gets the doubles point. Just I mean they've beaten them twice already in doubles. I I'll say they find a way again. And and I think uh, Scotty Jones just looked so dominant over Engelson in Gainesville uh, last time that I'll say I'll say that he wins again. Uh, but I don't think uh, Alfredo's not going to lose to Wiedemann at four. And this time I say Riffis gets the best, uh, or at least goes unfinished with Adam Walton at two, and Florida wins it. Uh, Florida wins at four two, dropping doubles in three. 
So if you read the tennis recruiting piece, which Chris, by the way, it was great to see your answers in there as well. Uh, I picked Florida for my national champions. You look again at the doubles uh, pairings for Tennessee. They're 15 and four at one, but only two and three at two, two and zero oh at three. For Florida, you know, at one they're four and three, two and zero oh at two, three and zero oh at three. So at the bottom of the lineup, not a, a ton of continuity for either of these teams. I'm going to say Florida makes a statement in this one. It's time for them to emerge as the championship contender we all thought they could be. I think they're going to come out hot with emotion at home. They do not want to be embarrassed by Tennessee again. I think they take the doubles point, and then I think Crawford, uh, Crawford, Perez, and Vale get the job done. I'm going to go 4-0 Gators. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's time to get a little bold. Yeah, it's time to get a little spicy. For the record, Bobby Knight, 4-2. He says Perez at 4, Andrade at 5 will give Florida a much better chance to sweep those spots as opposed to the reverse. Uh, He also doesn't think uh, they're going to be able to carry that momentum. Bobby, it seems like all three of us are in an agreement. So with that, Westoff, if you could, cue the clock for uh, region number 6. Oh, no. so let's get to it. The number six seed Baylor hosting number 11 seed UCLA. Baylor knocks off number 42 Utah 4-0. Then my Michigan Wolverines uh, 4-1. We don't have to get into that right now. UCLA, they save off upset, knock off Grand Canyon 4-0. Then they beat number 25 Oklahoma State 4-0. That Grand Canyon, a reference to earlier in the season when the two played. Chris, what are your thoughts going into this match? What this this is one where I think everybody knows the, the recipe here for UCLA to pull off the, the upset. Right. And I just, I don't know that. I mean, I, I think in my mind, there's one and only one way. And that's, so doubles one, two, three. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Baylor is so deep and UCLA is not. And <laughs> when you, when you have a team that's that deep and one that isn't Baylor's just too strong down at four five and six. And, UCLA very well could. I mean, they're they are they're very strong at the spots that we just said doubles one, two, and three. They very well could do it. But in my mind, those are those are four must matches for them. That's the only way they pull this off. Are we ever going to talk about the Baylor lineup conundrums throughout this year? No, Roy Smith. No, um, who was who it earlier in the year? Is a huge Juan, Juan Benitez who was who was who came back. You know, stopped playing pro tournaments and came back and was supposed to make it and never got cleared as eligible uh, so so they had they had submitted like indoors the indoor lineup they submitted right was, was smith at one and benitez at two neither of whom played uh and, <laughs> and, and and neither of whom has played since you know neither played it indoors or or any match since uh for baylor so uh so, but that, so didn't that... St- that didn't stop shredder from playing one and beating fenton right <laughs> oh, that was a jab. Wow. it's all right because we're past the hour mark so once we go over an hour you do what you got to do uh but and i feel like in the jab mark remark and i say this lovingly you know the respect i have for coach brian boland baylor's kind of the anti-wake forest no one you know one two and three they're not going to blow you off the court but just one through six everyone is such a quality player uh no easy outs throughout their lineup especially just the things they can all do uh you look at it from the ucla perspective i mean keegan smith is just a a weapon at two singles that guy is pure raw untapped talent and as soon as he figures out you know oh what i want to do on the court because the guy just has firepower from every spot on he's 15 and 2 on the year as good as matthias soto has been i think that's a lock for me 
Nanda Boyten, the complete contrast of style. Boyten, just a big baller. Nanda, I mean, he can certainly hit with power, but a scrappier player. Really, really quick. Really, really good at absorbing pace, redirecting balls, taking balls early. Uh, but and, and then Shredder and Cressy. Shredder is a bodybuilder on the court who just tracks down everything. Cressy, serve volley, slice, ugh, but challenger champion. I mean, I, yeah, you like UCLA up top. Yes, you have to like UCLA up top, right? So I think, I, I think you know, obviously UCLA is going to be they're going to be favored at one, two, and three, and at, at which point you say, well, maybe it comes down to doubles. But if Baylor is going to pull off, uh, pull off one of those top three, uh, to me, if if it's outdoors, uh, and I, I haven't looked at the weather, uh, I don't know looking at Bobby's stuff right now. I don't know if he put anything in there. So, so I don't know what the weather looks like at Baylor this weekend, but, but if in Waco, it's a, uh, if it is an outdoor match, I, I don't like Boyton outdoors. There's no way I'm taking shredder to beat Cressy, even though the guy's a freaking wall and gets everything back. The, the one that I think they, they would have a shot at. And that, that's the match I'm really looking forward to seeing is Soto. Soto has been really, really good. Uh, and, and you I think, think that's so- you think Soto over Boyten. Boyten has been incredible down down the stretch. He's yeah, he's uh, he's been good for sure. But I just I think out. I mean he's a yeah, he's a much true. bigger he's a much bigger hitter right. And he'll mm-hmm. he would lo- you'd much rather have him indoors. I think when you get them outdoors, Nanda's j- is is probably gonna he's gonna. I mean obviously that's is a it's a toss up mm-hmm. type match. But I still think outdoors I'll give that edge to Nanda. And outdoors, if they're going to do it, Soto's probably the guy. Uh, and I'm only because I'm writing the, anybody beating Cressy off that's that much of an underdog uh, that like Shredder will be. So I think if if it's going to have to be Soto or Boyton, maybe it's it's Soto. But but you know they've got the the match in addition to that match at two that I really want to see the the match on the other match I'm really interested in seeing is that one doubles match. Mm-hmm. So you've got the top-ranked tandem of, of Jimmy Bendek and Sven La against... Who have struggled down the stretch, we'll yeah, say. Against Cressy and Smith, who are undefeated this year, right? <laughs> They've, they're 16-0, and 0, and Bendek and La are... They're 15-4, and 4, but they're ranked number one in, uh, in, in the NCAA. So that that match... Now, that, it, that match may not end up deciding it because, you know, they could drop that match and they, Baylor could still easily win two and three. I mean, they're a, they're a very good... Uh, very good doubles doubles team so and and ucla significantly dips after one dubs Um, yeah and i have to imagine it'll go down to three doubles i think soto and little a little too solid for nanda and rap and it'll be shredder and france and the big boys hitting big serves burst Pereira and Zaraj, two more big boys hitting big serves. Now you look uh, throughout the year: Baylor twenty-one and eight in doubles, UCLA seventeen and seven. Uh, yeah, the thing for Baylor, they lose the doubles point. They have other avenues of coming back. See, I think Keegan Smith. I think what Miles Shallot did to Soto this weekend is like, I, I love Miles. You're my boy. He knows that. But it's like a point seven five version of what Keegan Smith can do to you. You know the way he you leave a ball in the center against Keegan Smith, you're running to the other corner. You're sprinting to cover some bomb he hit down the line. Um, Soto is great. I think the one for them, boy, ten Nanda. Nanda's a much better, ver- uh, not much better. I'm sorry, but a better version of Seymour. He's also a righty. 
but boy, 10, I mean, the guy can just hit through the court. He changes direction well. And then four, five, six, you know, obviously, with all due respect to UCLA, the pedigree Baylor has down there, they would be heavy favorites at that part of the lineup. I mean, by UTR, Baylor is the favorite, but I don't know. If UCLA takes the, I don't know. Even if UCLA takes the doubles point, I'm probably leaning towards Baylor. Chris, what's your match calculus look like? And what are you thinking? Yeah, I I think uh, I'm with you. I think I think Baylor wins because I think the only uh, again I think the only way for UCLA is doubles one two and three. And when you're counting on it has to be those four. And any one of them that you don't get, it's over. I I don't think it's good. And I don't think UCLA is going to get the doubles point. Uh, I think uh, I think Baylor will get the doubles point. They will win four five and six. It's a matter of how many of the matches at one two and three. Can can UCLA win before the match is clinched? I'll say it's two, and and Baylor wins at four two. I like it. I'm gonna go four two as well, and our clock is about to run out. Actually, let's make it. Uh, I'm gonna make it interesting. I'm gonna say four three. I'm gonna say UCLA loses the doubles point to Baylor. Baylor gets wins at two and three, but UCLA finishes the top three matches. It comes down to Bendick and Han at six singles. Bendick clinches at four, three to send Baylor to the elite eight. Bobby Knight agrees with both of us. He has Baylor four, three, but again, we've said what the recipe is for UCLA. It's quite clear now win doubles, win your top three. They are certainly in this match. There's a reason they're number 11 in the country. They can compete with anyone they've beaten. Your national champion prediction, USC Trojans. Uh, obviously, it will be an uh, an interesting uh, interesting match to watch. But, okay, with that, any final thoughts? You ready to move on? Oh, let's move on. Let's do it. Westoff, if you could, cue our seventh clock. So I know this one's going to get close to home, and I know you're going to be biased, so our listeners should understand everything that Chris says in the next eight minutes doesn't actually count. (laughs) But number 10, TCU, travels to Starkville, Mississippi to take on number 7, Mississippi State, on Saturday. Heavy rainfall predicted for the weekend if they have to go inside, as Chris has informed me. They will be playing on the magic carpets of the two Starkville indoor courts, and those balls fly. Now, the reason I mention that is because when we saw these two teams play earlier in the year, it was at the National Indoors. TCU dropped the doubles point to then number three Mississippi State, but just cruised at the bottom of the lineup, winning three through six in straight sets to win the match. Now, that was an indoor match, and the reason I say that, Luke Famba indoors just hitting bombs for serves. That was incredible to see. I mean, Stalder serving and volleying, working his way around Strali. That was fun. Kruger was playing great. Sander Jong was playing great. In fact, I recently spoke with Alex Rybakov on the Cracked Interviews podcast, although if you're listening at this point, hour 10 mark, you probably already listened to that, but if you haven't, go check that out because he gave a great preview of what fans should expect this weekend and some insight into the TCU team. But Chris, bias aside, and I'm just kidding, but what are you thinking heading into this one? So the first thing I'm thinking is I I sat down last night and listened to the Alex Rybakov uh, podcast <laughs> only only because I knew you were previewing the match and I expected <laughs> you to say something about the fact that I would be there giving him grief and <laughs> and there was there was not a word I was so so can I give you the the counterpoint is I want you to be incognito I don't need you getting thrown out of other matches <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> Butch will look up and know it's me and he's not throwing me out. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So, no, I, uh, all right. So, so here's my thoughts. So the first thought is, uh, 
is is Nuno versus Rybakov. We were all looking forward to it at indoors. Everybody's got to be looking forward to that again. Nuno's only dropped two matches all year. He's dropped three sets to Rybakov this year. He lost to him in the hidden duel, one of his two losses, his other loss being to J.J. Wolf. And in match at indoors, he lost the first set 7-6, and they were in another breaker when TCU clinched the match. Uh, you know, as, as Alex said, he really wanted to finish and didn't get a chance to. Um, so, so that, um, you know, that's going to be another very, very tight, tight match. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Um, you gotta, I think uh, on paper, you gotta like, you gotta like Mississippi state in doubles. Um, they're, they've TCU's doubles has improved as the years gone on. So, uh, so that, that certainly could be, it could be close, but, but, uh, but you've got to like state there. And then, uh, I think, you know, the, the big thing is clearly, I, I would say I would like to see this match outdoors, especially bias, <laughs> bias leads. So, because I would love to not have to see Famba indoors again, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but even the other guys besides Famba, I mean, Gray's got a great indoor game. Stalder obviously loves, loves to serve and volley, loves to get to the net. So he's in, he's good indoors. And the guys indoors that really surprised me when I saw them in person, Kruger and Jong both played outstanding uh, indoors. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd certainly would rather not see them from a Mississippi State standpoint indoors. If it's if it's outdoors, uh, then then I think from then I I like us at, I like Mississippi State at four. I like Mississippi State at five. Uh, if you get doubles four and five, you get one more. And and I think you know what I'm going to say there. I mean, you, <laughs> you you text it to me all the time, right? <laughs> never doubt Nuno of so, course so I'll take I'll take doubles one four and five but uh you know there, there's a lot of interesting side you know sideline stories if you go to this match so Broska and Jong have played twice this year now Jong Broska beat him up outdoors Jong beat him up indoors this is the rubber match um you know Kruger's not been in great form coming down the stretch Nick has at four so I kind of like them uh it's but but I think I really think up. This is another one of those where kind of like we had earlier, where we kind of looked to, looked at the Carolina USC and you went up and down, and it's a it's a it's a pair of teams where when you compare them position by position, every every single one of them is pretty darn close. You know, I don't. There's no huge favorite. You could you could make an argument for either team at all six spots. Uh, so it, it'll it's just going to be a dogfight. I don't know what I can add to this one that you haven't already said. I will say this slam tennis has this as the closest match of the weekend. Mississippi State a 55% favorite to TCU's 45%. You look at the UTR power sixes, uh, TCU slightly ahead to 81.36 to Mississippi State's 88.76. Doubles wise, Mississippi State 23 and 4 on the year versus TCU's 18 and 9. So yeah, you probably give Mississippi State the slight edge. I mean, Nuno has been so good down the stretch. Nick at four, Trevor at five for Mississippi State. But yeah, this this TCU team is, they're a bunch of fighters. I mean, Rybakov and Gray at one and two, tremendous duo. I, I, that Rybakov-Nuno match, 
must-see TV. Uh, Gray Ordani will be er, Ordani. Yeah, will be very good as well. Stalder has struggled at three, but so has Strali. So again, that's interesting matchups for both teams. Kruger versus Nick at four. Jong versus five. Uh, versus Brosca at six, as you mentioned, and then you know Trevor versus Luke at five. It's there's battles up and down the lineup. Uh, uh, the the weather will be a factor. It matters if you're playing indoors or not because of the doubles, because of the serves, because we know Mississippi State, respectfully, is a better outdoor team. I mean, they, I think they've won their last 13 straight dual matches. Um, you kind of gave us the calculus, so I guess I'm going to flip it on you. If TCU wins, what does it look like? Other than all-out disaster, you rip out what's left of your hair, you storm the courts in anger, yeah, you so give I up think, the sport, yeah. I think for TCU, I mean, I, on their side, obviously, just like we always like Nino, they always like Rybukov, right? So they're they're going, hey, we're going to take – we'll take we'll take Rybukov. Uh, pr- fa- uh, Gray's pr- – I'd say Gray has probably been their, their next best bet, so they're probably thinking Alistair Gray, and then Famba's been – uh, the next one for them. So, so they're probably thinking one, two, and five for sure. I don't think the way Kruger's form's been down the stretch uh, uh, versus Nick, they they can't really like that matchup. The Stalder is hit or miss. I don't think they can feel super good there. So my guess is that they're thinking they would they would say one, two, five, and then give us either doubles or six. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think. They, again, they at the indoors, they lost the doubles point. So they know losing doubles is not the end for us against these Mississippi State Bulldogs. But they're a different monster outdoors. This is a senior-laced team. This is their home stretch. They made the quarterfinals last year. I'm sure they have the semifinals circled as what they are striving for for this season to kind of you know continue to push the program a little bit further on their last go-around. I mean, you kind of gave me the prediction, but one more time for listeners. You said, TC, uh, you said Mississippi State 4-2? No, I, 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 no, I didn't give you a prediction. So, no, I think, uh, well, you you kind of worked the calculus a little on the Mississippi yeah. State side. No yeah. reverse jinxes, by the way. I'll know if you're lying. You'll know if I'm lying. So, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to go really, really bold on you here, and I'm going my Bulldogs four one. Wow. They they take the doubles point. They get Nuno, Nick, Trevor, and and they drop one of the matches at two or three i don't think i think six is a battle that doesn't finish uh and, and so so two two or three one of a tcu maybe gets but 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 four four one and and that's predicated on an outdoor match agreed with you outdoors i would say mississippi state four one as well i think they take the doubles point i think they then and i love reese stalder but i i watched strally in that sec final i've watched him play i mean he, his level has slowly started to pick up and so i think he gets a win i think trevor gets a win and i think nick gets a win and i think uh gray probably finishes over or or donnie before uh that matches i think nuno and rybakov don't finish plus i'm too biased both ways to make a pick at this point indoors though things get interesting and if the match goes indoors give me a quick indoor contingency pick oh if if the match what I, I can't pick against my guys, so uh, you know I still have to take. I'll say we get. I'll say we go four three. We still win the doubles point, uh, but now and I'll I'll still take Nuno, um, 
And then I think it's going to have to be probably, it'll probably be Nuno, Nick, and, oh, golly. Hmm. Man. Gio? Gio in the third set in the first time they played. Yeah, they yeah he I mean he he could certainly play in there I, and I don't even watch him play enough in that in there to 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 know who's who's got that in who likes those courts but yeah that's probably that's probably the a good pick uh, I I'd say I'll I'll go yeah we'll go one two and four and Dubs and and oh. they win it and they win it four three we'll end with this thought if TCU does win or if they lose you know coach Rodidi will be making his video afterwards i expect to see you in that video i've already reached out to coach Rodidi <laughs> for 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 something else that uh, i won't i i can't spoil ahead of time uh because if any of these guys are listening to it that nobody can know so so we'll wait until afterwards but but I, I am kind of I've actually been mulling over in my mind uh, some things and maybe once we finish this an off air we, we could talk about it a little bit because I'm anticipating plenty of rain delay time I'm fully anticipating and I know I know that Rodidi will be up for it uh, you know getting together and shooting uh, shooting a, a, a couple videos and a, 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 of some sort uh, but I'm, I definitely plan on as long as I'm there in time before the match starts getting uh getting something from him on his thoughts before the match and and yeah i actually thought about you know maybe we need a a, a little wager if you will of <laughs> i it should we lose i have to do the hey frog fans video uh, at the end and and if he loses he's got to do a, a hail state thing uh, but, and, and i maybe i coerce him into that <laughs> hey in our business chris we call that a teaser and yeah. that was well done. I've, I love it. I will be staying tuned. I am sure we will talk about it shortly. But okay, with that, let's talk about our final region. It is the home stretch. West off for the final time. Give me the clock sound effect, please. So, Chris, for this one, we are heading down to Austin, Texas, where the Texas Longhorns will take on number 24, California, the second team to upset a top 16 seed in the opening weekend. Cal coming off of their Pac-12 final appearance, knock off Drake 4-1, then knock off number 15 seed and host Illinois 4-1 for Texas. They beat Texas Tech 4-0. I believe they dropped the doubles point against UCF, and or USF, apologies, and end up winning that 4-1. Let's start with the Cal component real quick. Uh, again, we didn't have the chance to do a preview pod, but I was not surprised to see them beat Illinois. Were you? No, I'd pick Cal to win that region. So Good for you, was, humble brag. Yeah, that, I'm, well, I think a lot of us did, right? Yeah. <laughs> Illinois was, you know, uh, assuming you're playing, they're another team that I don't really want to play them indoors, but but outdoors, uh, you know, granted you're still going to their place, but, uh, but Cal was... Cal was playing well, uh, and and I think uh, it was kind of one of those that was was they were they were right for the pick, and Cal's in good form. But uh, it'll be a different story this weekend. You talk about uh, some of the big stats for these teams for Texas. They're twenty five and three, nineteen and seven doubles, eighty two point three eight UTR power six for California, sixteen and twelve, twenty and eight in doubles. 79 and 28 for their UTRs. This Cal team, as you mentioned, uh, despite their win losses, they've played a ton of teams close. 4-3 loss to Florida State, 4-2 loss to Virginia, 4-2 loss to UCLA, 4-2 loss to Stanford. 
Uh, you know, they've taken a couple other of losses as well. Four, th- three loss to Arizona State, four, two again to SC and UCLA. But they've been playing a lot of these teams very close. Uh, this here's the problem with them. They don't have any superstars who blow you off the line. You know, Jacob Brum, who's been playing well at five, is four and eight on the year. A lot of 500 lines, except for Bjorn Hoffman at six, I suppose, who's 20 and five. And then Ben Draper at four, who's 15 and five. But for Texas, just too much depth, right? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm struggling to find a point for Cal. And like I said, I, the bright spot for Cal is Hoffman at six. So whether whether Texas plays Banzer or Wong at six, Hoffman's got a shot, and um, that's that's really that's almost the only shot that I'll I'll give them at a point, it, it, and unless they can win Dubs, I mean they they've got a shot uh, at, at Dubs. I don't I don't think I don't I like Texas at doubles, but Cal's Cal's is pretty decent at, at Dubs, so they. They could get that and then maybe get a point at six, but um, you know I don't. I I think I think Texas just rolls through this real quick. Ito, Tellis, probably Marks as well. Prohibitive favorites, probably even Siskard as well at one. All prohibitive favorites in singles. So yeah, even if they drop the doubles point, there's so many recipes for them to get back in this match. I guess for Texas, the biggest thing is, you know, are they sticking with Banzer at six? Are they going to play Chi-Chi Huang? Uh, you know, can they get the doubles point after a stumble last weekend against South Florida? I don't have many thoughts on this one, to be honest. It's kind of why we saved it for last. I'm saying that respectfully, Cal, because they've ended their season so well. But I guess we can do this early. Match calculus. What would it look like for Cal to win this match? It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, then. I then let's just. Get... I I can't even find a way. Beautiful. Well, we're an hour twenty four in, so no more beating around the bush. Prediction match calculus. Um, I Cal could sneak the doubles point out just like USF did, and I almost I almost think for Texas here this is one of these that maybe they think like I do. I don't care whether they win the doubles point or not because they're winning four singles matches, no problem. Uh, just like they were against USF, and they did, and they won it four one. I'll say they win. I'll say that Texas wins it 4-1. It could be 4-0, but I'll go 4-1, and they either drop the doubles point or Hoffman picks up a win at 6. Cal gets one of those two, and it's 4-1 Texas. I'm not going to be as kind. I'll go 4-0 Texas. Doubles point, Edo, Tellis, Marks match over um but all right with that chris we went through all eight regions we t- recapped the first rounds in an hour 25 honestly not too bad yeah it's bad you know we we, we said 104 eight by eight but we knew that wasn't gonna happen <laughs> i mean let's, let's not be kidding us sticking to a clock is like you being on time right i mean <laughs> Uh, well, plus the Fenty rant. We'll just assume the Fenty rant took 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, well then, with that, any final thoughts, any final tidbits you want to give away before we get enter this round of 16? No, I'm just, uh, I, I think we'll uh, we'll let this one play out, and then uh, and we'll probably do it again next week, and then uh, and be looking towards looking towards a, a good uh, Elite Eight down at the... Uh, down at the USTA Center. Let's play a little over-under real quick. Over-under two and a half videos of hooks from this weekend. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm going to say under, but you know, it depends on when people have to, 
people have to tell me, right? I have to get, I have to get queued up to know that uh, <laughs> I need to go look, I need to go find something. And then, and then of course the hunt begins for how do I go find the videos? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it depends uh, if I have, if I have people I know at, at some of those sites. So surely if something happens in, uh, in Gainesville, I can, uh, I, I know enough people around there that I, I can, <laughs> I can pull some play site video from, from Gainesville, uh, same, same as state. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, hope, hopefully all of that just leads to these guys going, wow, I really don't want to get caught on video doing that. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a cop out. I'm going to guess you're taking the under then. I'm taking the under for sure. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take, uh, I know you gave your predictions, but I'm going to give it to you again. Over under one and a half top eight seeds losing. Oh, I've got the top eight. So under, <laughs> <laughs> I've got USC. Or USC losing, I've got. I don't think I have any other upsets. I uh, yeah, I, mean, I almost I, pulled the UCLA trigger, but I don't think I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, in in my mind, you get the, the top six are are heavy favorites. US UCLA does have that shot of you know, if they get the the four points they got to have, which is very doable, they could pull theirs off. It's the the last two, right? The seven ten matchup with State Mississippi State and TCU, and the eight nine with Carolina and USC. Those are the two toss ups. So I mean, it's you're count you're almost counting on those two. But if if you're wanting more than one and a half, but I, I'll I'll take the under for sure. I like it. Well, then last one to you, and you cannot say Nuno Rybakov as your answer. The single individual dual, like individual matchup, one through six singles. It could be a doubles flight as well that you are most looking forward to watching this weekend. If there's one that you were telling the fans, check this live stream. What would it be? Ah, well, I think uh, I, I think to me the. The one match that I really want to see is I want to see that one-two doubles matchup, the one versus two teams in dubs, which is Baylor and UCLA with Bendek and La against Smith and Cressy. I think that's a, it's that's at least from a double standpoint, that's uh, that's the match I, I want to see. If Nuno Rybakov is one for me, Soto Smith is two. I think yeah. that's going to be such a good match. That's the next singles match for sure. Yeah, um, and it's it's going to be a freaking exciting weekend of tennis. See, I censored myself, NCAA. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, but all right. With that, Chris, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time to come back. I will tell our listeners, I texted Chris and asked, what day are you going to feel comfortable? Are you jet lagged? He got back yesterday, and of course, he was like, no, I can do it tonight and i was like no 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 please sleep like i need you well rested for some of my takes um, and so but seriously thank you as always for taking the time we very much appreciate it you got it man and with that shout out to our super producers max fligner and daniel Wastoff, who have a an editing job to do as always but one last time for my wonderful co-host chris Halliors, for our super producers max fligner and daniel Wastoff, and for our entire team at crack rackets i'm your host alex gruskin chris what do we tell our fans hey great shot and we will see you all after the round of 16 thanks everyone enjoy the weekend